Welcome to Tech Review, powered by Axel Springer. Here we explore the latest trends, news and updates from the world of technology. This podcast is the perfect source for staying up to date with what is important to know right now. You can watch all episodes on YouTube or listen to us on all major podcast platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts while you work out, drive or maybe even travel through space. My amazing co-hosts today are Henrike Hede and Vincent Irmler and my name is Tarek Madani Mamluk. All right, and we have so many topics to discuss, but before we jump into those, I have to tell you that in this September, we are going to be present on the tech quantum tech conference in London in September on September the 19th. So if you are in London, if you are attending this conference, you have the possibility to meet us there and talk to us and uh, see what uh, the fuss is all about, about quantum technologies. And if you did not buy your ticket yet, you can use our link, our promo link uh, to get 20% off the ticket price. So check out the show notes because we are going to post the link to our <laughs> rebate code there. Uh, yeah. And now let's jump into the news. And today we are going to start with Henrike. Yes. And we start with uh, an article from the next web um, about tiny robotic tentacles. Um, and that caught uh, catch my attention because I just my initial thought was like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, let, let's have a look into it. So um, this article describes how scientists have developed these tiny little robots that are designed to detect and to treat actually lung cancer. Um, you can see that it's really, really tiny. They describe it as only 2.4 millimeters in diameter. It's really soft and it's then suitable to navigate through your lung tissue, which is also a very delicate kind of era, uh, area. Um, it is sent through your lungs through, with the help of uh, um, these bronchoscope thingies. Um, so then magnets are used to kind of adapt to the shape of um, your anatomy and uh, then it moves through the lungs to the, you know, like point of where it has to do some uh, surgery is the right is the wrong word here, but uh, to do its job, basically. Um, the whole position is uh, monitored and controlled like from the outside and when it reaches the destination then it can um, do the treatment um, um, that it's supposed to do. They tested it on um, dead bodies <laughs> um, so far and it showed that it can travel 37% deeper into you know, your body than standard equipment could do while causing less damage, obviously, because it's like minimal invasive. Um, and it can kind of revolutionize the navigation inside the human body, um, also for then other like purposes, not just in that case for lung cancer treatment. Um, yeah, it's also supposed to, you know, not just that it causes less damage, but then also less discomfort and also helps, you know, the whole recovery time to be shortened um, drastically. And uh, now they're planning to obviously test it uh, in the next step with humans, like alive, uh, people alive, um, and to evaluate the effectiveness even more. Um, yeah, and so, I mean, it's it, it sounds a bit 
icky, <laughs> but actually, I mean, it's so, so small. And I, I mean, I then thought like, honestly, why not? You know, it, it seems like perfectly suitable to actually be more of help than it's like an icky thought of having this little warm robot inside your body um, doing its job. Yeah. It, it sounds so weird and in the future it might be perfectly normal to have this kind of surgery <laughs> but, but yeah for, for me it sounds so weird especially if you say yeah for your comfort we are going to insert these robotic tentacles through your nose <laughs> yeah and i mean that the thing is also if you look at the picture i mean it kind of shows the dimension yeah, yeah. but then you it, it looks big But it's 2.5 millimeters right. in diameter. It's so, so tiny. So this is then what's like, okay, you cannot really like see it when it's in your hand. So it's it's that that tiny. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> If it really would be like that big of a thingy, ilk. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> surgery is always um, like highly invasive and uh, you, you have to recover from it. And if you have real alternatives without cutting someone open and uh, still treat them efficiently, um, this might be a, a huge leap in, in medicine. Um, absolutely. absolutely yeah. Yeah. But, but also a great topic for a lot of horror movies. <laughs> mm. I swear, you already, already was dead. <laughs> We are no, only using it on dead bodies. Oh, we have inserted them and I, I can totally see a movie where somebody is treated with them and gets healthy and then suddenly there's a malfunction and those things are acting up and doing something completely different. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's where the horror movie starts. Yeah. And out of one it gets, you know, like it's populate and you're getting oh, more, yes. and more inside your body. Yeah, yeah. That's for another podcast. <laughs> I remember a, um, a Monty Python sketch uh, where someone rings the doorbell and says yeah i'm here to collect your organs and he's like what why are you collecting my organs you are an organ donor aren't you and he's yeah but i thought this this only happens after i die yeah no worry no worry nobody survived this uh, uh, this collection yet <laughs> 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 but this on the other side <laughs> yeah i'm uh, thrilled about this <laughs> new higher technology <laughs> but i can tell yeah yeah <laughs> Only slight discomfort. And now, this. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, to my article. Let's move on to uh, artificial intelligence. <laughs> Something maybe a little bit, little bit less intrusive. I read on Ars Technica something about GPT-3 and reasoning. And this is something that uh, is, is very, very interested because we already know that these large language models are great with formulating language and fool people into uh, thinking that those things are actually in uh, like real artificial, general artificial intelligence. Um, but one thing that is still a big question mark is the aspect of reasoning. So uh, can the AI actually make sense of the things that is uh, that you're discussing with it or that uh, it is saying. Um, and uh, we, we already know that um, these LLMs, they are um, AI algorithms with a very high number of computational nodes and connections um, that are uh, that that excel in human language related tasks. Um, and we now have this team from UCLA and they tested GPT-3 um, regarding the SAT, like this, the standardized uh, test for uh, for college students. Um, and they, they found out 
um, that the LLM can already master these, these tests um, by reasoning by analogy. So answering these questions based on similar questions that they are trained on. And these LLMs, they demonstrated uh, the ability to, to identify and apply those rules, um, uh, like usually in a um, like an, uh, probability of which letter or uh, which, um, which number comes next uh, in terms of um, what you gave as an input. Um, but of course, these LLMs, they already had, uh, they, they had some glitches and difficulty uh, recognizing actually the nature of problems. So um, if you give them a very abstract problem, uh, it is not so easy to actually um, uh, find like the analogy of the things that uh, you trained it on. And in general, these college students um, were still better than uh, GPT-3 um, at extracting the meaning from text. Um, but now that we are going to GPT-4, which is uh, way pow more powerful, um, we find out that there is a significant improvement in this area of, uh, of understanding the questions. Um, and so the complexity of LLMs um, w in, in terms of reasoning capabilities is still not fully understood. And especially with GPT-4, there are people who are saying, okay, we see these glimpses of general AI already in there, even though it's still just an LLM. Um, but if we take a look at these kinds of tests, um, we see that that these LLMs get better and better. Um, yeah, and so um, I think this is one of the most important aspects that we have to take a look at, keep an eye on in the news um, re regarding what these LLMs can do. Because so far, if you have a language specific task, it is perfectly perfectly fine to outsource this to uh, to to an LLM, but if you actually want to have like a meaningful content-based discussions, um, there you still might have some problems with the reasoning aspect. And now with GPT-4, maybe we get into a, um, an area where the reasoning aspect is actually going to work well. Yeah, and this is then where uh, the, these AIs are going to replace more and more people uh, whose job is basically understanding problems, uh, transferring their experiences and uh, create uh, meaningful um, context-based solutions. Yeah. All right. Um, so the discussion that in the end we need to have is do we want to train the models or is there maybe a training limitation that we should implement, right? I mean, with the LLMs getting better and better, obviously, is due to the fact that they're learning more until they are conscious, or if you whatever <laughs> it's called. Yeah, whatever it's called. If, if there is an artificial intelligence in there at the end and not just a glimpse, I don't know what the, what the description then would be, but generally I'm saying, well, what I'm asking is, does that mean that we need to stop training those models in the end? Maybe implement <laughs> some kind of a forgetting aspect. So maybe maybe we so we can use the LNMs further and further, but make them forget again specific conclusions in the end, so that only say only until you exit the conversation it is as intelligent as you need it to be and then it forgets this intelligence again it doesn't save its data so it doesn't become more intelligence over one specific <laughs> yeah yeah level 
Yeah. I would be very curious to see if we are going to develop something like a new Turing test. In the past, we had this Turing test where we said uh, when the chatbot or when the machine is capable of fooling a person into thinking that he's um, talking to another person, then we have uh, achieved this uh, artificial intelligence that... Uh, That, um, that like solves this Turing test and is ripe to be called real artificial intelligence. But we already passed this for quite a while. And now if you talk to uh, ChatGPT, um, it's, it's very easy to believe that this is a person on the other end of, of this conversation. Um, and now when we see these machines actually being capable of entering a college because it, it answers all of these questions um, that usually college students have to answer. Um, so basically you can have um, a large language model uh, getting a college degree. <laughs> We have to think about new tests to find out um, if like this is a general artificial intelligence and uh, it has something like a conscience, like if we get one step further um, or if we need for example these reasoning based um, questions uh, for for really apps uh, creating these abstractions of problems so that uh, we can add um, these these um, large language models for to more complex problems right now if we if we add um, like a completely strange topic like a fringe science something uh, it, it might be that the LLM has no idea what you're talking about while a human being still is capable of uh, create like abstract comparisons to the fields that he's trained on um, and I think this th this comparison uh, becomes more and more uh, hard um, now with GPT-4 or then GPT-5 <laughs> whatever comes afterwards uh, and I think that this reasoning aspect will be the the biggest um, new topic that the large language models um, have to overcome then. And now, this. Let's jump into the next article by Vincent. Yes. So this is an article that um, we is connected to actually last week's article where we spoke about the X rebrand. And uh, part of that uh, is finally also Elon Musk uh, stepping into his new role as, I think, head of engineering. Uh, is definitely a more tech focused role and a more product focused role, something that Elon Musk is a lot of times also advocating himself for as being much better than being a general manager uh, of the company. And I, th I think... Um, Yeah, there is a debate about that if he is actually capable of doing it. Um, however, the new CEO will step in. And as we already know, and as I think was discussed when her new role is announced, um, was announced, I'm sorry. Um, she, the new CEO will have a, has a track record in advertising. And one of the biggest challenges there is to get advertising back on track because less than 1% of the people actually, of the users of Twitter actually, or X, I'm sorry, actually uh, subscribed for X Blue. And therefore, uh, ad dollars are definitely the major revenue stream still. And this article is a very basic article about this change. But when you scroll down, there is one very interesting example that I wanted to bring just because I found it so ironic. And it shows in what kind of a weird state the current advertisement um, situation uh, within X is. Uh, when you scroll down you will see there's a picture yes this is an advertisement on x 
and X is currently allowing users to comment on advertisement, which obviously draw, only draws in people who comment negatively. So this is a very, obviously, so interestingly enough, so this is a, a mobile game, actually something that I also got as an advertisement on Instagram recently, I think, and or Facebook. And um, one user comments, the actual gameplay of Envoy is entirely different from what is shown in the video. This is a false advertisement. And we all have this moment so where we download something that is completely different than it was advertised. So actually, I might enjoy this particular comment and this particularly ad ad particular advertisement uh, with the comment altogether. But obviously, the advertiser, um, well not really interested in these kind of comments because obviously it will uh, yeah um, it, it will make sure that a lot of people are not downloading the app that potentially would have downloaded before and, and that shows the weird state of advertisement that X is in currently um, one more note X is claiming that their usage went up significantly I think uh, due to the uh, rebrand and also due to the uh, new competitor threats and there's just more buzz on the topic, so I think a lot of people click on it. But the reasons, nobody knows. Technically, usage went up, and therefore, obviously, also advertisers still will see it as a viable platform. The question is for how long, when well, uh, users can comment on it um, in any ways. But obviously, well, most of them are not going to be praising the, the, the advertised service or product. So I, I just wanted to bring that really funny example. Uh, yeah. But this is maybe also this weird psychology of advertising. If people are engaging with this with this ad, and even though they are writing hateful and uh, com negative comments, it might still drive up um, the rate of installations. People who click on it and want to try for themselves because people were just uh, complaining. It's it's the same with uh, Elon Musk and and X. Everyone makes fun of this company and everyone uh, says, ah, oh, and he's destroying everything. But still, um, it is as not popular, as known as never before. Everyone talks about Twitter right now. And so maybe this is a weird, genius way of uh, boosting advertising by allowing people to engage with this ad and discuss about this advertisement, even though they, they hate it or they have negative things to say. I... I'm not sure I would love to see um, like the, the the numbers of, of this company and their downloads if they still have uh, like benefits out of this. Yeah. So we, we received 2000 negative comments, but the download rate was also increased by 500% or something. I think, I mean, it would be interesting to see because I don't think it will then only be haters commenting on it because if it's like advertisement for a product that you know, people f just feel passionate about, they will then also like maybe triggered by those negative comments will download it and then write a completely like opposite one and like the whole discussion, you know, like starts going. And so it's, um, I, I think initially, I, I would agree with Vincent that probably more the, the negative people feel drawn to, you know, like now I'm making a comment and now I, you know, like do my, my internet hate thingy. Um, but if Eventually, it also triggers people who are big fans of these products and then like a discussion starts. And it's, it's interesting then that people probably will discuss about ads. <laughs> um, and, 
that yeah. I think obviously this was the reason from for X to keep comments alive with uh, advertisement. However, I think the problem behind this generally is that um, an advertiser expects a, a specific environment to be put in. We see that advertisers went away from X because hate speech, um, less regulated um, commenting and uh, content generally became overhand on the platform. And this now is ensuring that even with buy with bought advertising space, with purchased advertising space, advertisers are not safe of this. And therefore, I think that this is the major problem that that not that there is engagement. I think that is great for advertisements, obviously, because it just boosts content, just like regular content organically posted. But uh, it it makes sure that advertisers are not getting away from this. And I think that in the end, the 50% drop of advertisers uh, year over year that we are now see or currently seeing um, will not stop there um, because it is not giving them a safe space to advertise in. Yeah, but you could also say that the classic way of advertising that we are used to for the, the past 20 years is about to die because there's so much things happening right now for example with uh, ad blockers uh, people are ignoring like the classic ads are not seeing them anymore or even um, w when we start collecting information now through ChatGPT, i don't go to google anymore so google can't show me their advertisements um, that, that that they're using uh, anymore so it might also be that the players in the advertising market are experimenting now more and more with how can we introduce advertising in our content flow and if this is now um, in the future be, being used as a part of content it's not like only an ad banner that you can simply ignore but there is a very highly engaged conversation about this advertising then it becomes a piece of content and people might use it in this way and not completely block it out because there is actually an interesting discussion happening about this game for some reason and so people are seeing it while they would not have seen it if it would be like an anonymous banner somewhere that I can just block out. It's a viable, it's a viable perspective. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. And you will see us and hear us next week uh, at the same time. <laughs> see you then. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.